The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back here on Big Blue Views Audio Network as we are continuing to move through evaluating every single Giants position group, filling you in on how certain guys did who should be staying, who's going to be going, who should the Giants sign. We've done it so far for numerous positions. If you missed any of those, make sure to go back and check them out. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum and Nick Filato. Before we get into today's position group, hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review if you enjoy listening to the show, and also head to bigblueview.com for more of our New York Giants content. So guys, today we're going to be doing defensive tackles we're going to be evaluating the defensive tackle group which is probably one of the most polarizing conversations heading into free agency because we're going to dive into dalvin tomlinson and leonard williams who do we think that they should keep but before we can get to that i would like to have a a conversation here about kyle van noy who was recently released by the miami dolphins a bit of an unexpected move uh for most people Kind of came out of nowhere. And the reason why it's important to talk about Kyle Van Noy, well, he's got connections to head coach Joe Judge in his time as a linebacker with the the New England Patriots. And in any situation, when you have a connection to a former Patriot and a former Patriots assistant, we have to have this conversation. So guys, let's have at it. What do you think about Kyle Van Noy? Is this somebody that the Giants should be spending their money on to bring onto this defense? Because he could very well fill one of the needs that we've talked about so far this offseason. I love these versatile type of linebackers, to be honest, and I think they really mesh well with what Patrick Ram wants to do on defense. You can bring them off the edge. You can drop them into coverage. They're solid against the run, but it all comes down to money, Joe. Chris, all comes down to money. Kyle Van Noy just signed, I think it was four-year, $51 million contract just last offseason, and he was entertaining the Giants, has spoken very highly of Joe Judge, but he could possibly get a bigger contract in another situation rather than here in New York. So I definitely would entertain it if it's at the right price. I'm just not optimistic that it would be at the right price. Yeah, that that's just it for me. It comes down to the money. You know, it, I don't think the Giants could afford to basically replace the money he just lost. And I, I would be curious to know why the Dolphins let him go. You know, he basically had a career year last year. Uh, 
none of his individual stats really jumps out as fantastic. But, you know, he had six sacks, which is the second most he's ever had. Uh, Ten tackles for a loss, which is the most he ever had. The Ten quarterback hits, which is the second most he's ever had. Uh, six passes defensed, which is the most he's ever had. Two forced fumbles, which is the second most he's ever had. And that is pretty good for a guy who is 29. You know, he, he's not exactly out of his prime yet, but that 30 number is creeping up. So, you have to wonder why a team with a defense as good as the Dolphins were last year let a guy who let a guy go coming off a career year. So to me, it definitely does come down to the money. If he can replicate that kind of performance, I would definitely be interested, though. Yeah, and I'm on the same page as you guys. I think money is the the biggest factor here because the connection makes sense. The play style fits perfectly, as you said, Nick. The one thing that, as your guy's saying, there's a possibility that some team is crazy enough to throw a lot of money at him because they, they need a boost at their linebacker position. The only thing that makes me optimistic that they could possibly sign him to uh, a, a cheaper, shorter-term deal is the current cap situation. The one thing that we continuously hear from uh, former personnel people uh, that were in the NFL current coaches and personnel people, a lot of the comments that you keep hearing if you just listen to the radio, or particularly the Sirius NFL channel, I hear a lot, they they keep saying that there's going to be a lot of intermediate guys that get completely screwed by this current offseason because the cap is going down. It's a matter of how the teams value Kyle Van Noy, and if he is valued as more of an intermediate linebacker rather than one of the top five linebackers in free agency, they could end up banking on that opportunity to sign him for a short-term deal. That is something that we can't truly predict, but it's definitely, the cards are definitely there for that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, do have to look out for other teams that do have a lot more money than the Giants have. Uh, I'm looking at over the cap right now, and they list the Giants with just half a million dollars in effective cap space for 2021. That is um, not good, <laughs> uh, especially when you've got teams like the Jaguars who who could throw around $80 million. The Jets have $67 million. Patriots have 62 You know, Maybe Bill Belichick could be interested in a reunion there. The fact that there are other teams that could just blow the Giants out of the water without even trying, that does have to give you a pause. And you know, I think spinning forward to the rest of our conversation today, you know, the Giants are going to have to be strategic. Yeah, no, another interesting part of Kyle Van Noy is whatever team signs him, he will not count against the compensatory formula for the next season because he was released. He wasn't an unrestricted free agent. He was released by his team. So if a team wants to sign him for, say, a big money deal, it's not going to count for say, if that same team lost big free agent this year, it's not going to count for next year's compensatory pick, and they could still maybe garner a third or fourth round pick. Yeah, and to me, that does bring up a team like the Patriots, who love to cycle through compensatory <laughs> picks. You know, they they are allergic to free agency, but they just keep racking up those second or sorry, third and fourth round comp picks, and also the Baltimore Ravens, who manipulate the cap and the draft market like freaking wizards. So guys, let's get into talking about these defensive tackles as the, the Kyle Van Noy situation is something that could change very, very quickly. He could sign somewhere quick. I wouldn't be surprised if he signs before the free agency period. Shifting our focus now to talking defensive tackles and getting into our, our season takeaways, I think this the, the simplest way to describe the defensive tackle group is that they were extremely disruptive 
this past season. And coming into the year, the, the conversations that we were having and a lot of other people were having that were analyzing the team were saying that the defensive line right now looks like the best group on the defense. It, we could possibly make the argument for the secondary and compare the two, but I think it's pretty safe to say that this defensive line group as a cohesive unit was a serious problem. They were the big source of uh, pass pressure. It wasn't necessarily the edge guys. It was guys like Leonard Williams that were hitting home and creating sack production despite not really sending a whole lot of pressure all the time. They were able to create that success. So I think you guys can agree with me here. This unit is really, really good, which is going to make the conversation we're going to have soon uh, about how it's going to be really difficult trying to keep all this group together. And it's almost important to keep this group together. It's kind of insane when you think about it from a pressure standpoint, because outside of Aaron Donald, not a lot of teams rely on these interior defensive linemen to create pressure. But Leonard Williams had 11 and a half sacks. Dexter Lawrence was third on the team with four. And then Kyler Fackrell, I think, had four and a half or something like that. And yeah, there are other variables because Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zeman has got hurt, but they were still able to get a solid amount of sacks this year. But it's all about that run defense too, man. And just two gapping with that bear or that eagle front that they love to run, that tight front where they have the four eye to the strength, Dalvin Tomlinson as a nose tackle, and then a three technique with the linebackers behind them. It's Dare, dare you dare you to run up the middle on us and no one can they don't when do you ever see a lot of people attack the a gaps against the giants it doesn't happen all that often they always try to extend horizontally and find a cutback lane and that's why disciplined defenders are excellent in this system and guys like kyler fackrell end up having a good role as a run defender because they're disciplined and they don't allow those cutback lanes to really materialize but a lot of that is just because this defensive line is so strong at the point of attack and they command the line of scrimmage kind of the identity that Dave Gettleman said he wanted to implement and he was able to institute it here with the Giants. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this does become a, a very interesting conversation because you have Leonard Williams as the defensive end in that in that three-man front, which they were only in a three-man front, I, I would wager all told about half the time. But that we'll just say that was his position. And then you had Dalvin Tomlinson at the nose tackle. And yeah, that is a very unsexy position, but especially the way the defense play, the Giants defense plays, it is very vital that you have a guy there who can play with a fantastic base, great leverage, great hand usage, and he can control centers. He can control guards. He can two gap. He can eat up those double teams and really make it. You can have Blake Martinez flowing to the ball and you can force running backs to say, you know what? I am staying the hell away from that A gap. Maybe I'll try the B gap, the C gap or the D gap. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, thinking about all these various pieces that we have, Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, Leonard Williams, uh, BJ Hill coming, rotating in Austin Johnson was able to to step in and, and rotate and create some good pressure. I think the best way to describe this group is that they just all worked really well together, despite them not each guy being the same mold. Every guy is built a little bit differently. Every guy is good at or much better at one thing than the other. And because they were able to play off each other's strengths, I think that's why we're we're talking so highly of this group. And that's where things get really complicated here because if we weren't in this free agent situation, I don't think we'd even be thinking about this. We'd be thinking about, oh, what's going to happen next season when this group returns? But we have to we have to talk about this. We have to talk about the fact that Dalvin Tomlinson and Leonard Williams are both expected to be free agents. And there's a very high possibility if the Giants don't make some cuts, don't figure out their 
uh, current cap situation to make room for the both of them. They're both going to be over at a minimum $10 million a piece. We have to pick between one or the other. So guys, I want to hear who would you pick if we had to pick one, Leonard Williams or Dalvin Tomlinson? For me, it's going to be Leonard Williams. And I feel like a lot of Giants fans are kind of on board with that. And it just comes down to the fact that he impacts the game on all three downs. Dalvin Tomlinson, I've been a huge fan of him, pounding the table for him and how underrated he is and how just important he is to this defense. And I still stand by all that. But these business decisions are really tough. You need to make really difficult choices here. And Leonard Williams, I mean, the guy had 62 pressures this year, 11 and a half sacks, hit the quarterback 18 times. And he's no slouch against the run either. And with the current state of the Giants edges and their lack of pass rush from that specific position, you can't really let a guy like Leonard Williams walk out the door, especially when the general manager who's in charge of these decisions traded a third and another pick to acquire him in an impending contract year. So I, for me, it's Leonard Williams. You know, Nick, before we started recording, you said you could, you in these situations, you'd like to be the contrarian, but you just can't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Guess what I'm going to do? Do it. Do it. Oh, we, oh, yeah, everybody I, could have predicted this from a mile if they listened to the show, but course. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I have been maybe Dalvin Tomlinson's biggest fan since, um, I think, November of 2017. <laughs> and in fact, that's something Ed can attest to because I hit him up and said, holy crap, never mind John Allen. Have you seen Alabama's nose tackle? He looks like a baby Damon Harrison. And I stand by that. I would let... Given the choice between the two, and I think the Giants are going to have to make that choice. It's not an easy choice. It's not a comfortable choice. But just the reality of the economics, they are going to have to make that choice. And I can back it up four different ways. First is the economics. You know, talk about both of them could be over $10 million. I am not quite sure about that, at least for Dalvin Tomlinson, just because he is that nose tackle. As good as he is, uh, Teams don't really shell out for nose tackles who are not also known as pass rushers. I think Tomlinson is a better pass rusher than he gets credit for. But again, he is definitely nobody's Aaron Donald. But you know, he is not Fletcher Cox or even Akeem Hicks, although that's actually a little bit closer than I think a lot of people might think last year. But anyway, moving on, you know, there is talk that Leonard Williams is going to be getting somewhere between somewhere around 18 or maybe even $20 million a year. He's going to be get, he could be getting up into that Aaron Donald air as far as salary goes. The Giants just cannot afford that, at least not without having to make some major decisions elsewhere. They could, that would basically completely wipe out their ability to sign an edge or sign a wide receiver. See, Chris, you bring you bring up a really good point there, Chris, is that I I agree with Nick here. I would pick Leonard Williams just based on the, the type of player, the disruption that he causes, um, the value he has on passing downs. And that was the biggest strength of this defense was how well they played on passing downs. And when you can possibly add some type of an edge rusher through the draft or free agency and you can pair them up with Leonard Williams, that front could get even better. But that's the one thing that I'm a little bit torn up on uh, and I'm a little bit hesitant to commit to Leonard Williams that you just brought up here. If Leonard Williams is asking for $20 million and is as good as he played, I don't know if I can pay him $20 million. I think that that is a very high asking price for a guy that's not an edge rusher. He's a defensive tackle. He is, um, he's, I guess you could call him a defensive end, but he's not a, a strict pass rusher. And the problem that we're probably going to deal with 
and in these negotiations is that he is going to, him and his agent are going to say, we have the sack production of a pass rusher, so you should be paying us like a pass rusher. And th- that was kind of what happened last year because apparently, I, I, if I cr- recall correctly, he was trying to get tagged and get the money as as though he was a pass rusher, but he ends up fitting under that category of defensive tackle. That's where things get really sticky for me because the money is going to be very, very hard to fit when the Giants already don't have a very good cap situation. Yeah, I think that's the crux of the entire argument is what will he try to demand? Because I want to say that's still under grievance right now. And that's a sneaky storyline with the New York Giants is the fact that Leonard Williams does want to get paid like an edge. And when you look at, you know, where he lined up a lot. I mean, he played a lot of Rio. We played a lot of Leo. He played a lot over the right end and the left end. According to pro football focus, he has well over 200 snaps in those specific positions. So he has a case, especially when you look at his sack production and his ability to generate pressure. It's all going to come down to money. Now it's the same thing with Dalvin Thompson. Dalvin Thompson is going to look for a Michael Pierce type of contract, which was a three-year, $27 million deal. That's not that unreasonable. Yeah. But if he's going for Javon Hargrave, who's a slightly different player, a little bit more of a pass rushing upside, I would say, that's a three-year, $39 million deal. Those are two totally different contracts signed the same offseason, which was last offseason. Michael Pierce ended up opting out of this season for the Vikings. But Hargrave ended up playing for the Eagles. I think the question really comes down to what will these players ask for? Because you're right. I'm not looking to pay Leonard Williams 20 million. I'm not looking to dump an entire, to, to just load up the Mack truck, dump it onto his front lawn for 20 million, 20 plus million a year for someone like Leonard Williams. As much as I do like Leonard Williams, I still feel like the contract has to be reasonable for both sides. Yeah. And I think the other big question is what are you getting next year? You know, we know what we're getting with, Dalvin Tomlinson. He is an incredibly consistent player. He is going to clog up those A gaps. He is going to keep your linebackers clean. He is going to clog up some passing lanes. He had a fair amount of passes defense last year, just getting his hand up and knocking balls down. And he is going to get you some pass rush production when he is put in the position to get them. Talk about all the snaps that Leonard Williams played. He played probably about a third more snaps than Tomlinson did last year. So he got a lot of those one-on-one opportunities in pass rush situations when the Giants took Tomlinson off the field. So, yeah, that does skew things in his favor some. But also, last year was kind of an anomaly for Leonard Williams. Yeah, he had never had sack production like that before. He's always been good at generating pressures. He gets close to the quarterback, he'll hit the quarterback, but he ha- always struggled at converting those pressures into sacks. Now, last year we saw the Giants coverage take a massive step forward. I mean, nobody can argue that that they were forcing quarterbacks to hold the ball like they hadn't done since 2016. And I really do think that that gave Leonard Williams a lot more of an opportunity to convert those pressures into sacks. So now what happens if offenses start to figure out Patrick Graham's tendencies, if they figure out James Bradbury's tendencies, how to attack this secondary? You know, are you still going to get even eight sacks from Leonard Williams a year coming up? Or is he going to go back to being a two or three sack a year guy? You can't pay $15 million plus for that kind of production from a guy you're expecting to be a primary pass rusher. No, I I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly, but I still believe getting pressure on the quarterback is something that 
has to be paramount. And that's something that we can't argue, man. Leonard Williams just does it. Even if he doesn't convert them into sacks, he forces the quarterback off the spot. We've seen that several times, even when he wasn't getting those sacks throughout his first season with the Giants. And in terms of Dalvin Thompson, and I don't want to come off as a, as a somebody who's a detractor of him because I love Dalvin Thompson, man. But I just feel like that nose is more replaceable than a 300-pound, five lineman edge whatever you want to classify him as who can bend like leonard williams can and, and who has the use of hands that leonard williams does i think in the draft you could even get a two gapper like a tyler shelvin from lsu or to daryl slayton from florida a player like that who you can kind of put in that at that nose position he might not be as effective as dalvin thomas but he can eat blocks and still allow those linebackers to flow over the top and scrape over the top and make tackles and i believe then the next phase of this conversation here which we're going to get to really soon, is in the event that they can't bring both of them back, one guy walks, what is the, then the course of action? We're going to get to that right now, folks. But before we do, we have to take a really brief commercial break. So let, let's start planning for this hypothetical. I think this is the the more complex hypothetical. Because if they both return, I don't think there's anything that we need to worry about and try to figure out with this defensive line. But there's a multitude of directions that you can go in if it's Dalvin Tomlinson returning or if it's Leonard Williams returning. There are a couple different directions in the sense of you can draft someone, as you just talked about, Nick. You can sign somebody in free agency that is going to be cheap, that is going to be quick, depending on who it is. Um, you know, Maybe there is a nose tackle out there on the market that you can sign to a one-year low-cost deal. And I think that the the other piece that comes into here is do you just straight up not do anything? Do you just assume that the current group that you have, minus the one player who leaves, is it good enough to operate on its own? That That's where we currently stand here. What do you guys think is the best course of action if one player leaves? Well, I think it depends on which player does in fact leave. Yeah, if it is Dalvin Tomlinson, then you do everything you can to retain Austin Johnson. He isn't as good as Dalvin Tomlinson. You're taking a step back there, but he should be able to be had for a reasonably reasonable contract. Uh, you know, earlier in the offseason, maybe it was even during the season itself. You know, we talked about how Austin Johnson is a guy to keep an eye on because he is a competent nose tackle he is a guy who can eat up those double teams not get blown off the ball you know the the giants have tried dexter lawrence and bj hill there it didn't really work those guys are really more they're one gap players they're closer to leonard williams than they are dalvin tomlinson so you have to keep at least one guy there in the middle to keep the linebackers clean if it's leonard williams he leaves then i'm looking towards the draft I, I would look at a guy like Cam Sample, Oso Odigazua, um, either one of the guys from USC, honestly. like There are, I think, a surprising number of defensive tackles in this draft who could fit that uh, four, three technique, four eye technique, five technique role who have burst and bend and athleticism. Yeah, I think that's fair what you just laid out there, Chris. I'm wondering if there's another veteran type of nose tackle that's going to be available that can even come in and be an upgrade over Austin Johnson. I don't necessarily see him as somebody who is capable of two-gapping the nose too much. I mean, I watched every game twice, basically, and there were a couple times where I saw him push back a little bit, falling on the ground a little bit. I, I kind of like him actually more in that one-gap role that we talked about with Dexter Lawrence. And we saw Dexter Lawrence one game be utilized 
in that role where Dalvin Tomlinson is typically utilized. And it wasn't as clean, just like you alluded to. But you just look at the guy, and the guy's like 346 pounds. You would imagine that he can be taught how to anchor down and kind of utilize leverage like Dalvin Tomlinson does. But it kind of goes to show you just how unique Tomlinson is because he's about 25 pounds lighter than someone like Dexter Lawrence, yet he's so much better at holding the point of attack against two guys, basically 600-plus pounds, hitting you. Yeah, and, and that was the book on him coming out of Alabama where, like, yeah, he isn't the biggest dude we've ever had, but he is next to impossible to move. And I think a lot of people credited his wrestling background just with how good he is with leverage and how good his balance is. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and honestly, I, you know, I, I agree with a lot of the points you guys are throwing out here. And I, I think just from a, a general perspective, if we're trying to think of, of roster building here, I think the one of the better courses of action – if, if one guy leaves and one guy stays, the draft capital in this year's draft for the Giants, there's, they don't have a ton of picks. Um, it might be better to spend those picks on building up weaker position groups and hoping that you can possibly sign a really cheap veteran. I like the thought of, of drafting some players if they're available, if it's best available, and you feel like you addressed maybe edge and receiver early on and you get round three or four and you're like, all right, let, let, let's figure this out. Let's get some, some big bodies for the middle and knowing Dave Gettleman, he's probably going to do something like that. But if I would just at least like them to see address some of the much thinner position groups rather than spending a draft pick on a, uh, a position group that if you don't need a premier player at it, and right now they they have really good depth across the line. They've got a lot of really good guys. It might be better to to kind of wait or or take a different course of action than drafting somebody um, within maybe the first five rounds. Yeah, and that's fair. And I think the drafting somebody is more in a scenario that Dave Gettleman actually traded back and got more picks than you can take <laughs> more kicks at the can. But that's something that seems like you know it just won't happen because <laughs> yeah, it has like, not happened yet. No, like, I I could actually see a scenario if if we put trading back into into the mix where the Giants could completely transform their defense and you know maybe even move away from this uh interior defensive line centric mold and into something more like uh like what the Denver Broncos had you know, up until Von Miller got hurt or, you know, maybe something like what the Eagles do or what Washington is doing, where you can send waves of edge rushers at uh, edge rushers after the quarterback and still be stout up the middle. You know, you could get somebody like Jalen Phillips if you trade back a little bit. And maybe if you've got the money, sign a Hassan Reddick and then later on in the draft, get a Joe Tryon or maybe a Shaka Tony or somebody like that to be like your third or fourth pass rusher in addition to Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter. I'm, I'm not a big Shaka Tony guy, but honestly, uh, uh, fifth round or so. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. much, much later. Yeah. But Jalen Phillips, <laughs> and it all depends on how the board falls out. And I honestly think Dave Gettleman's going to end up going with a receiver or Kyle Pitts or something like that, or as Chris would say, a receiver. But <laughs> <laughs> But a Jalen Phillips at 11 isn't ridiculous to me if the medicals check out. It all comes down to if the medicals and the love for football and all that stuff checks out. I really think he's a very intriguing prospect. Yeah, and I, I realize we're going off on a tangent here, but uh, <laughs> I just did my final report on him the other day. And if it weren't for those medicals, he would have been my first nine grade 
of this process. I'm not going to say he's Miles Garrett, but he's a hell of a lot closer to Miles Garrett than anyone else I've looked at this year. He is impressive as hell to me. Before we follow too far down this tangent, um, time is slowly approaching on us here. So I would like to just finish up with if we're being as realistic as possible and we're being real with ourselves right here. What's actually going to happen is that good old Dave Gettleman is going to trade up at some point so he can draft <laughs> Marvin Wilson. We're going it's going to happen. It's bound to happen. It's the only way that he's going to resolve this knowing him. He's not going to just let Marvin Wilson slip out of his clutches. I disagree. <laughs> Christian Barrymore because of the Alabama connection. And, uh, either way, he's going to he's going <laughs> to there is definitely one big meaty guy that he is in love with and he will be on the Giants roster because Dave Gettleman loves his hog mollies. Folks, that's going to be it from us uh, on today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us on social media at Big Blue View. And then lastly, head to BigBlueView.com for more Giants news and analysis. And enjoy the rest of your week, folks. Talk to you soon. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.